0: Welcome to Forecast, the foreshadow podcast, seeking glimpses of heaven on earth through conversations about people's lives and work. This season, our theme is Songs of Ascense, Pilgrimage and Worship, exploring the journeys we make in search of wholeness in God. I'm Josh, and with me today is Jessica Walters. She holds an MFA in creative writing, and her work has been published in journals such as the Ormsby Review... Space's Literary Journal, and Solemn. Her short story, Glass Jars, was shortlisted for the Mitchell Prize for Faith and Writing. And a few weeks ago, we published her poem, The Sunday Blues on Foreshadow, and we are publishing two more this season. And we will get to hear a couple of her poems in a few minutes. Jessica, welcome.
1: Thank you so much for having me. It's such an honor.
0: Yes, and it's an honor for you to, to join us. Could you please introduce yourself to our listeners, where you come from, and um, a little more about what you do?
1: For sure. I live in Langley, British Columbia in Canada. I live about 20 minutes north of the U.S. border um, and just east of Vancouver. Um, I teach creative writing at a local university at Trinity Western, um, and I also also teach academic writing at um, both that same university and other colleges and universities as well. I'm fairly new to the role of teaching, so I'm sort of all over the area, all over the lower Mainland, which is where I live. Um, so I teach at a few different colleges. Uh, and so far, I love it. I think like most millennials, I've had a lot of different jobs and this far, um, teaching has been my favorite. Um, I'm also trying to balance the teaching life and the academic life with the writing life. So I write poetry and fiction as well on the side. Um, and also I, I think this kind of fits with uh, where I'm exploring poetically, but um I'm a pK, a pastor's kid, um, and I grew up uh, in a charismatic evangelical background. Um, that background really um, emphasized individual Bible reading and, Um, Bible memorization and I was such a keen kid that I read the Bible three times before I turned 15 and I memorized so many Bible passages mostly because I liked like winning Bible memorization games so I was a bit of a keener that way Um, but then I noticed what started to happen um, in church context I now go to more of a liturgical based church there's scripture reading each Sunday whenever the Bible's read I just tune it out completely. I can't hear it anymore because I I think I really overdid it as a kid and it was really overemphasized. Um, So part of what I'm trying to do in some of my poetry is to um, poetically engage Bible passages that I find the most challenging and to sort of like wrestle with those um, parts of scripture that I don't like necessarily or that I've stopped being able to hear because usually um, when I hear a sermon interpreted about a passage in scripture, um, it's interpreted similarly each time and I don't uh, confront it anew. So I'm through poetry trying to approach the scripture um, in a new way, I would say. Mm -hmm. And I think, uh, yeah. Maybe you want to jump in there. I'm not sure. (laughs) Well,
0: that's yeah, that's really um, interesting to hear. And I um, also I I think art has a similar uh, because um, part of my role in foreshadow is um, piecing works with uh, piecing the writing with works of art. Um, like paintings and things. Oftentimes, there are paintings that um, might be abstract, that but the title is connected to a, a work of scripture. Um, and I know there's uh, there's there's projects that people are doing also that connect um, works of art with with Bible passages. And I, I think things like that and what you're describing with poetry um, must really open up a, a different perspective into um, un- understanding the scripture. Mm-hmm. And also, um, it sounds like a real like uh, spiritual practice too. It's um, it's you're kind of weaving together uh, your relationship with the Bible um, with your writing, and I think that must be a really wholesome and uh, I guess and I can really understand why that would motivate you to write that. So um, yeah, that's
1: yeah, and I think so. I mean, I left the church for a while, like so many of us have done, and and I think I. Left it sort of like, well, I don't need you either. In a sort of like, I'm never coming back here. Kind of an angry way, and and that's too bad. But I know that's it was a stage, and I'm trying to, um, go back both to faith and to church, but to approach it, um, in a much different way and a more expansive way, and to say, okay, what, how, where do I fit into all of this, and um, and to approach it as well through art and through poetry through like more than just what i grew up with which felt very like top down and it also felt like there was no room for the imagination Mm -hmm. and i think that was part of why i left but i'm trying to go back in a way that i feel like i have a place there and and maybe that place is through poetry Mm -hmm. and and i've also started practicing um lectio divina Mm -hmm. which is a lovely practice, right? It's I have a definition here that I can read. It's from the University of Notre Dame is the definition. Um, It means divine reading in Latin, and it's a fitting name for this prayer practice of listening to scripture with the ear of the heart. Lectio Divina is a dialogue with God through scripture that includes the whole self, thoughts, images, memories, desires, etc., Um, so that's sort of my entry point is to enter through um like through placing myself in the story of scripture even if that's the place that I don't like like even if it's challenging like there's lots of verses I don't like but okay how do I place myself right in those um verses that are yeah have always rubbed me the wrong way how do I start in that difficult spot and then see what comes of it Mm
0: -hmm. wow yeah thank you yeah and um what uh, what you were saying as well um, about the challenges with um, uh, with understanding scripture or certain passages, and also your own um, weaving that with your own identity as a writer, I can kind of relate to that. I I, I grew up in a similar uh, background, uh, really evangelical, and somehow the um, in in the sense of uh, and, and I've heard f- from other people as well from on foreshadow who um, who have contributed to foreshadow saying similar things that. They've, they've kind of separated their faith life with their identity as writer or as their with their creative work. And what, what you're saying, I, I think, is you're kind of finding wholeness, it sounds like, um, yeah. in um, bringing these two worlds together um, through your writing, embracing your writing and also through your writing, investigating and trying to hear um, mm-hmm. um, maybe God's word um, through the challenging passages or trying to wrestle with with the Bible. Um, through writing. So it's kind of it's like a, whole, a practice of reintegrating these parts.
1: Yeah, thank you for saying that. That's I, I like hearing that because I think that's very true. I am trying to integrate all the different parts like I think I probably left because it felt like parts of myself were excluded from the picture. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to go back if I still feel like parts are excluded. So how do I and I think a lot of people feel that way, a lot of artists in particular. Right. So. And I also think that's one thing that you're just perhaps lacking is a love for the arts and a love for um, the imagination and a love that approaches that without fear. And I, and I think Jesus was really good at that. Like he was a great storyteller and he liked words and he liked playing with words and stories. And, and I think some of that's been lost. Um, so I'm trying to find yeah how to bring that practice into my own faith and how to find the places of disappointment and to work with those as well like i'm trying to write this poem it's not going very well but like um when jesus turns water into the wine like what did that feel like the next day once people were like you know were there some people who were hungover from the the miracle wine and like what was that like
0: hmm.
1: going to the next wedding when the wine wasn't as good and just like kind of playing with like Okay, after the miracles happen, like, then, then what are you left with? Then what do you do? Um, That's, those are sort of some of my entry points for trying to creatively engage. Mm, Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, I think there's, so there's also like the Midrash tradition, Mm, the Jewish mm -hmm. tradition that does this, right? That interpretive act of um, interpreting the the text and, and, and bringing more to it than just what's there Mm -hmm. on the page. Yes. Yeah.
0: Well I, I'm hope if you if you could read a couple of your poems, that would be great I, And uh, I've asked you if you could read the um, the one you, that we've published and I uh, and that's um, the Sunday blues and and maybe if I understand it it's it's kind of in some ways similar to what you're describing as a return to the old life or but maybe in a different way. but I I'd, I'd like to hear you unpa- and explain your poem and and, um, and unpack it more. And then also um, one that will be published called a Liturgy of the Wilderness.
1: Yeah, perfect. Thank you. Okay, so this is the Sunday Blues. On Sundays, after church, while the adults had coffee and pie, we played in the barn, the cornfield, the forest. We played kick the can, capture the flag. We played pretend, imagining the most illicit thing we could think of, that we were orphans. It changed slowly, the way things do. Friends left home, moved away, had marriages their families disapproved of had kids outside of marriage chose chose the wrong job started asking questions it was the questions in the end that led us away but we didn't foresee how they would unspool us and the old life we asked questions as if those sundays would house us when we returned thank you Uh, yeah, so I guess the inspiration behind this, I mean, in some ways, there's a bit of nostalgia thinking back to that old life, right, to where there was like this real sense of community. And um, and I think I underestimated like how powerful that was and how um, important that was as I left, I sort of underestimated or devalued that part of the faith. But like, it really is an incredible thing to grow up with all these families who love you, who know when things are not going well, like to grow up in this real kind of communal way. Um, I think that's fading a bit, perhaps. And and that in some ways, that's too bad. Um, but then, yeah, a lot of folks my age, people my age um, dropped away from church for for so many different reasons, right? And some of the ones that we've spoken of where they felt like they weren't welcome. And and I think at times they weren't. um, But then it seems that church itself has changed or the faith itself has changed. Like in the nineties, when I was growing up, there was this like innocence and this expectancy that like, you know, there would be revivals that you could pray the scripture. And I think there was that phrase by maybe John Wimber who said like, um, if Jesus did it, we could do it too. Just like read the red verses in the Bible and like follow. That was sort of his, his way of doing things was like, follow Jesus, read the red verses where Jesus is speaking and do the same thing. Um, But I don't know that the church still has that innocence anymore like there's been so many scandals so many widely published scandals and that's and I I find that heartbreaking and yeah so that's that's some of the inspiration and and maybe like going back to the previous um, question about poetry um, and the imagination maybe some of that some of how we return is in those ways through integration um, perhaps integration of ourselves integration of the church as well um, yeah
0: mm. yes and 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 I guess that relates to like the, the line we asked questions um, mm-hmm. because oftentimes well I think when I first read this poem when when you first mentioned that phrase asking questions um, a few stanzas earlier started asking questions that's in the stanza where you're describing like all of these negative things and so there's a lot of negativity that c- can come with that phrase asking questions and and then you in the in this stanza after that you say it was the questions in the end that led us away um but we didn't foresee how they would unspool us in the old life and so on one hand these questions um lead people away from the old life and from the the community and the the goodness that you were describing in the in the beginning but then the last stanza um kind of Um, turns that around. We asked questions as if those Sundays would house us when we returned, suggesting that, at least how I understand it, um, even though we asked those questions, there was this underlying trust that the questions wouldn't unspool us entirely, that there was still this foundation of this net that would catch us even in the midst of the questions. Um, is that am I interpreting that correctly?
1: Yeah, totally. And and I'm not sure. Is that foundation still there? Like, is there? I'm, I'd love to hear your, your experience of that as well. Like, in my experience, something either my generation leaving church, asking questions, kind of pulling it apart has unspooled that old life or it's Mm. coming undone for other reasons and I'm not really sure which it is but it's like there's for myself at least there's not even a real place to return to there's not even like a real sort of the community itself has become fractured Mm. I'm thinking of a few specific different communities um but they themselves are in turmoil and that that's really surprised me (laughs) I thought I thought they were strong enough to withstand anything but I'm not sure that they are
0: I see. Yeah, I see. I think I understand a bit more of what you're describing. Yes. Um and uh I um I guess to I guess in my experience I I can't answer that in in some ways. My family didn't grow up although we were Christians we didn't grow up going to church. Um it was we just kind of had uh personal devotions and things and it was it was in college when I started going to church and um it, it was and like an evangelical church and that that had the same kind of community that you were describing. Um but but i guess this is but i don't want to talk about my my experience and my journey um uh and it's kind of taken a different a different turn um but that's very interesting to hear um what you're describing and and so and so it's um so it, there's a question here in the poem that's asking is that old way of life still there to return to um and um and and then the last uh, stanza we ask those questions It's if those sundays would house us and we return so so there is this at least it seems to me in this poem there's this whether or not the those sundays would house you all um mm-hmm. you hoped they would uh you hoped that there would be this uh, return um in the, the 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 work of art that i paired with this um with this poem you, you notice was it's did, a modern yeah. a modern version of um the prodigal son and that's and that's because of this um i i guess god, god being this this uh the person who would house the prodigal son when when he returned um and and so that's um i guess that's the the ultimate it, it, the ultimate um uh like if i could compare the the narrator of this poem with the the prodigal at the point of his um, turning around uh, he's hoping that there will be something for him when he returns um, but that that's a that's a deeper question and I think and I hope that we will discuss it more when we because uh, later on I'll ask you about your pilgrimage and I don't know sure. if you would prepared um, discussing okay. this more but I, I hope we will uh, we will go into this further as we sure um, that
1: would be great that would be okay. lovely all thank right
0: thank you um, well for now how about we go to the next poem then
1: Sure, sounds good. So this next one is called a Liturgy of the Wilderness. Let not the shame, let not shame develop taproots in the corners of yourself. Let fireweed burn like an afterimage, a flame in the darkness of uncertain nights. In the morning, open the mullioned windows of yourself, and let scent of tangled honeysuckle drift in, and with it the vole and squirrel. Let the landscape of yourself become unkept wilderness. Lose yourself among the cedars, spruce, hemlock, where dappled light filters through layers of bough and branch to touch the secret sores. Learn the silent language of sword ferns, braille on the underside of fronds. Eat salal berries, leaving enough for the bird's breakfast. Wade into the river as if the water will carry you home to your natal river. Yeah, So I could talk a bit about this poem. Um, This poem, I think, is an invitation to wilderness and an invitation to explore that wilderness. I think I'm thinking here of like an uh, internal wilderness where like we don't fear those parts of ourselves that are um, untamed or unseemly um, or perhaps feel a bit dark. Like I think you mentioned integration earlier. I keep bringing it up cuz it's such a great word but i think that's part of this it's like um yeah there are dark parts of us and wild parts and i think we're trying to often suppress those or tame them or subdue them and and also i think that's pro- likely happening on a wider scale as well both i mean here we are we talk you know there's so much about climate change but a lot of that is us trying to tame nature and trying to um profit off of nature and mm-hmm. trying to act as if it doesn't have um, a great force. I mean that in terms of tornadoes and earthquakes and all of that, trying to act as if um, we can kind of um, subdue those things and not be um, not be crushed by them. Um, so, yeah, this poem really is about an, Im- an invitation to that wild part, first in ourselves, but then what does that look like, um, maybe in a larger scope?
0: Mm, I see. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. There are certain images here that re- I really like. Um, that um, so, f- such as the the line "lose yourself among the cedars" and then "where dappled life filters through layers of bough and branch to touch the secret sores." And um, there's like a kind of healing that that I sense in that, and like be opening oneself up to to the light, but at the same time um, also recognizing that there's different all these this undergrowth and this um, this complex web of of messiness that um, that's also there. Um, And then also the learn the silent language of sword ferns. um, What I think of is um, just how um, maybe how I would say it is God has made each of us wondrously. And there's so much to learn by looking within Um, and not in a, not in a like kind of um, completely introverted way, but that, I mean, Jesus says the kingdom of God is within you, and and there's there's much through just listening and and being silent that we can that we can learn, and that's that's how I understand it. And um, and then the open window, uh, I think there's a line about um, yeah. open windows, open the mullioned windows of yourself, and and just I um, I didn't know what that word mullioned meant um, until I looked it up, and so it's kind of just the kind of the framework in which the glasses are laid, I believe. But when I first read it, it it reminded me of the word million, a million. And so, I mean, you can also, I can also see it as like millions of window panes and just, um, and just the complexity that's within each one of us and like opening that up um, and letting in um, both the, the scent of, of something beautiful, but also um, kind of letting in a little bit of the wilderness as well. And, and, kind of just uh and and so that's those are just some of my um my connections with it and then the last line um also relates to what we were describing earlier about um returning home to that's some right. to something and uh, w- wade into the river as if the water will carry you home to your natal river and um i don't know if you if you meant this but i one of the, uh one of the ways i can interpret that too is Um, the rivers of baptism and, um, and the new birth there. um, That's
1: lovely. I was thinking of salmon, but I like, (laughs) I like. Yes. Well, I I love salmon. There's a lot of them around here in the rivers and they they swim home to their, the river, the exact spot where they were born. So they find their way back and, you know, sometimes that takes many, many weeks and thousands of miles of traveling like upstream from the ocean to that exact spot where they were first born. And, and there's something quite amazing about that and sort of mystical that they're able yeah. to do that. People don't really know exactly how is it sent. Yeah, it's just quite a phenomenon. Mm. Yeah. But I, I liked what you said about the windows as well, because like, like I think the wilderness can be interpreted lots of ways one is sort of like it's dark you don't really want to be there it's scary but actually i think like sometimes it's actually really quite beautiful and like yeah you open the windows you don't know what's coming it might be this beautiful scent and this sort Mm. of tangle of wild and and that's um to be embraced i think and not Mm. to be uh, fearful of Mm.
0: well can we now go into the our conversation about pilgrimage that um if you can describe a pilgrimage that you've been on Um, whether it's a physical one or um, um, the the spiritual faith journey as we have been describing?
1: For sure, yeah. And I'd actually like to um, pair the two, both physical Mm. and spiritual. These two things have often coincided for me. Um, But uh, so... I worked as a medic on a pipeline in my early 20s um, with pipeline uh, repair crews um, Mm -hmm. in and around the area. There's a lot of forest in this area in in British Columbia. So um, the men that I worked with were repairing old pipelines and they were often like a couple hours away from a hospital. And so I was the first responder um, and I had like a medical unit and it was like a fairly dangerous job for a lot of reasons. Um, And. I would go home to my parents on the weekend and then pack my truck uh, on Sunday night and head out for the week and then sort of drive through forest, through um, logging roads to get to where I needed to be for the work week. Um, so there was always this journey motif, really, of back and forth, going to the work site and hoping that the, that I would be safe during the week. Um, but in my first summer at that job, I rented a cabin in this like kind of semi-arid um, desert area of uh, of the province of BC and I rented this small cabin in the woods um, and I should say as well that the so the job uh, during the day um, I would be alone most of the day so I had like a radio if there's an emergency the crew would radio me but I, it was really I had 12 hours a day alone in this forest at the work site and then I would go back to this cabin alone in the woods as well and in the first few weeks like I was fidgety. I was um, like sad. I was all of these things started happening that totally, I was antsy and agitated. And that surprised me. And it felt like I was going through almost like a withdrawal. And I I think I was in some ways <laughs> um, because I'd lived such a, an active life and a noisy life. And um, I had a lovely but somewhat chaotic. Home because there was lots of kids and lots of activities going on Um, and my faith as well as we sort of talked about was quite um, experiential where like experiences would be whipped up in sort of a frenzy Um, and as I stayed in this cabin over the summer months all of that ceased and all of it like kind of halted and I um, like entered this silent space this silent land um and it was transformative and now of course I know words like solitude and contemplation and I know that there's like a literary and spiritual background for this type of thing at the time I knew none of that I was just sort of going on almost instinct okay what's happening here something is happening that I've never experienced before and I would um I sort of made peace with that silence and that solitude in a way that I found um, like healing and surprising. And it sort of created a foundation for a lot of the rest of my life.
0: Mm.
1: Now I've read Thomas Merton, who talks a lot about that. There's beat poets um, from America who used to go on fire watches for that same experience, but I didn't know any of that at the time. I was just, I just sort of landed in this role um, which required a lot of space and a lot of silence, and and it came to be very, very healing. Um, yeah,
0: yeah. I'm curious to hear a little more um, because I imagine if so, if one doesn't have if one isn't aware of, of what's going on, it could be um, um, maybe tempting to just kind of leave the silence um, it, 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 if it's if it's challenging wrestling with um, with what it's bringing up so how did you um did did you experience that and if so how did you um kind of stick stay through it and um and and in what ways did it um kind of transform you if if you don't mind
1: yeah yeah that's a great question so i didn't have internet because i was too far away so there was no i mean there was um a VHS player with like three movies. So I watched those three movies enough times that I got sick of them. They were like um, J-Lo movies from the early 2000s. And I just watched these over and over again to try to avoid the silence. And eventually I was like, I cannot stand these movies. I need to like, I need to just face this thing. And actually one of my coworkers at the job, I was saying, oh yeah, I'm staying in this cabin. It's so quiet. And he said to me, he's like, people pay a lot of money for that experience. And I went away thinking, what experience is he talking about? Like what, what is it that people pay a lot of money for the the experience of being alone in the woods? Like, I don't want this. I want to go back to like noise and, and, but yeah, it was like, I think a quiet facing of the silence and like kind of coming to terms with it over a number of weeks. And then, I mean, I would go back to this job every summer. So it it ended up being like a number of years really, Mm -hmm. um, I'm sorry, I forget your second question. You asked well,
0: another part of that question as well. Yeah. Um well the, the second question was in what ways did it transform you, would you say? And maybe that's difficult to answer, but you also said that it laid a foundation for for what you would later do. So um yeah. how what um can you can you um tell us how maybe what in what ways did it lay lay a foundation, perhaps for your writing or for other work that you've done, if you can if you can identify that.
1: Yeah, I think actually, um, perhaps the foundation is like a way of being like, I'm not trying to, um, like hoard experiences or grab experiences or think of my faith Mm -hmm. as a series of experiences. It's more like a way of being. That's like, um, that's okay with silence and okay with discomfort and okay with, um, a much, uh, more spacious less experiential sort of um faith perhaps and i mean of course writing it, it plays a factor there as well but like um yeah i mean the silence is so important and i'll say more about that on the fourth question when we when we yes um, look, when we look at text but yeah i think like right now there's such a a lot of words a glut of words and and yet i think silence is its mm. own language and it's worth paying attention to
0: mm. okay before we go to that last question i i just have a question as well about what you said about if for clarification about um not treating um i forgot what words you what, what exact words you use but you were just you were saying um not focusing on the experience of religion is that what you meant to or say? hoarding, what do hoarding, hoarding.
1: yeah hoarding yes. experiences uh yeah sorry what, i interrupted you what was your question well, there? <laughs>
0: what could you explain a little more what you mean by hoarding experiences
1: uh sure yeah so well i think the testimony plays into that like there was a very um kind of stock testimony that we were all supposed to have as kids like ah, um okay. and and then seeking out sort of missions experiences short-term missions experiences and seeking out um uh, experiences that like or, okay, how do I give to someone else? How do I be nice or kind or loving to someone else? It was very, like, outward focus. And I think, you know, in part, that's a good thing. There's nothing wrong with that. But it was very much, like, activity-based, like, and then, you know, people would come back to church saying how how that activity went, how they were able to save or help other people. So it was a lot about kind of doing and the act of life, I guess, And again, there's I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think there's a lot of good, but for myself, I I didn't realize that I wanted that other part as well, that contemplative life, that part that was a lot less based on like outcomes, perhaps that's a way to say it. Less outcome based and more like, okay, who is my person? Who am I and who is God? And how how do I work this thing out in my life?
0: Okay. Thank you. Yes. Um yeah yes thank you yeah i guess um we at the end of our pr- season last season we were kind of reflecting on that on vocation and the work that we do and thinking about not just um our vocation not just being what we do but um who we are who god is making us into the the formation of our character and i wonder if that's similar to what you're saying too but um yeah Sorry, well yeah
1: ahead. it's interesting because like and now that I hear myself say it, maybe the key is, again, integration. How do we hold these two mm-hmm. things together? The active life, the contemplative mm-hmm. life. Both are needed. And I think to cut off one part is, is too bad, right? So how, how, how do we hold these? How do I hold these two things together? I think that's part of the work mm-hmm. of what I'm trying to do in my life is figure out how these two things can coexist.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, let's go to the, the last question about the text that strengthen and nourish your faith.
1: Yeah, so I uh, have this book that a friend recommended. It's called um, Caring for Words in a Culture of Lies by Marilyn McIntyre. And I'll just, if you're okay, I'll just read a passage of it because I think it's a great passage that sort of shows the premise of the book. And then we can perhaps talk about that. Um, So this is from Marilyn McIntyre. I was recently talking, uh, I was talking recently about a stewardship of resources with a young man who is hoping to make a career in environmental law. We considered the fate of water, soil, animal, and plant species and food systems. In the wake of that invigorating conversation, I found myself musing on the similar problems that beset another precious shared resource, words. Like any other life-sustaining resource, language can be depleted, polluted, contaminated, eroded, and filled with artificial stimulants. Like any other resource, it needs the protection of those who recognize its value and commit themselves to good stewardship. Um, I'll skip on here. Caring for words is a moral issue. Caring for one another is not entirely separable from caring for words. Words are entrusted to us as equipment um, for our life together to help us survive, guide and nourish one another. So that's kind of the premise of her book um and it's Mm. a really lovely well thought out book she brings in poetry and prayer but the idea is that um that we kind of get back to caring and steward stewarding words um that's one thing I'm reading but that's also transformed the rest of my reading so I grew up reading classics and I really loved them but I somehow lost those along the way so I thought oh I I used to love words and love good literature and it's more than just about that the book and I think her premise but that's sort of where I started so I've gone back to books that I used to love and read Mm. new ones as well and that's been very rich and I'm also trying to memorize um poems um and to be a good steward of words so Mm. yeah
0: thank you yes and um well and then you also mentioned earlier about silence and so and how, where does that also come in with words i guess um i mean i think of also the uh, um um apophatic and cataphatic traditions yeah, totally. and yeah. so like this i guess the the words and the images come with the cataphatic in terms of these are images of god that we have whereas um apophatic meaning like the as you know the um the, the absence uh, and knowing that we can't put God into words. We can't define God accurately with words. Maybe even our own experiences of God, we can't adequately describe them with words or um, so uh, where does the silence fit in as well with, with, um, with that?
1: Yeah, I think, well, I think she says it's about not being afraid of it. Like we don't need to fill the space with an excess of words just because we're kind of afraid of that silence and, and a lot of what we do kind of is maybe we're just trying to fill space with words, whether that's whatever that is online. She she yes. refers to like the kind of online stuff that goes on as well, like just this cacophony of words mm. and and how that's um in some ways like polluted our the way we treat words. Um And I think that that's one place where it would fit like, okay, why do I need to say this? Do I need to write this Mm. to someone or, or can I, can I let the silence be enough? And, and I think it is in some ways its own language. Um, Yeah. And I, and I think it's sort of like, there are two sides of the same thing, perhaps. Like I kind of think a language arises out of silence. I'm not sure how I'd have to think more about that, but, but I think that that's partly the case. Mm. Yeah.
0: Thank you. yes. There's a lot, um, there's a lot uh, that you've said that I, I just want to reflect on and think about. Um, uh, thank you. Is, um, well, is there any are there any other thoughts or or um, um as we think about um pilgrimage um, and um kind of tying together what we were saying earlier about um seeking um, seeking that natal home. Um, or re- seeking that um, home that we once had or, um, or trying to reintegrate um I, I'm, I guess I'm also reflecting as I'm saying these words and 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 it's funny that you mentioned the cacophony because um podcasting isn't something I like really um, thought I would be doing but um, it, a few years ago but I often I find that I'm learning a lot too about how I try to fill silences with words and not always, are they are um, really important to say the words that I say, Um, but, um, but just thinking about the, I I can really relate to the uncomfortable silence, but trying to be um, reconciled with that silence too. um, And, um, and maybe reintegrating the words with the silence, but um, I guess I'm just thinking about all of those things and, um, and uh, are there any final um, words that you, you would have, that you want to share
1: sure I mean I love your theme of pilgrimage and ascent and I think that's so beautiful and I think um that 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 journey home is really good and that home is also transformed when we get there and it's transformed into a lovely wonderful beautiful place by our own journey and by by the grace of God as well and that that silent land that silent wilderness is like is good it's not scary it's worth it's worth exploring and taking that pilgrimage to that place
0: Thank you. How can readers um, and listeners um, read some more of your work, or any, any um, projects you want to mention?
1: uh I was scared of this question. Okay, <laughs> I, I'm I'm not. I don't have a huge online presence, so there's not really a way to find me. I'm sorry, but I, I I'm I mean I'm working on poetry sort of in my own quiet way, but I, I don't have a huge um, either following or place. I think I have a basically a Facebook page that's hard to find. Um, and, and that's about it. I'm sorry about that.
0: Okay, well, that fits well with what we've been saying about silence. <laughs> so thank so. you. Definitely. Thank you so much for your time with us and for sharing oh, about your life and your pleasure. experience.
1: It's been a real pleasure. Thank you for having me.
0: And with that, if you enjoyed this conversation, let us know by leaving a review, emailing any questions or comments at foreshadowmagazine at gmail.com or sharing it with a friend. You can also visit foreshadowmagazine.com to read new writings and listen to other conversations like this one. There you can sign up for a free weekly newsletter with new work every week. Thanks for listening. That's the forecast for today.